This episode of Talk of the Devils is sponsored once more by Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform helping you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit 1 million orders phase. Yep, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling ETH style turtleneck sweaters or blueprints for brand new stadiums, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Plus, you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And what's more, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 support is there to help your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Now, because you listen to Talk of the Devils, you can sign up for our $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash reddevils, all in lowercase without any spaces. So go to shopify.com slash reddevils to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash reddevils. The Athletic. Nope, don't adjust that dial. You're not listening to last week's podcast. That is the sound of Manchester United's away support serenading our very own Anthony Alanga once more, this time in Madrid. This is Talk of the Devils, the podcast dedicated to Anthony Alanga and also other Manchester United players from The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and joining us from Madrid in their hotel rooms, very fancy this, isn't it, is Andy Mitten. And also is Laurie Whitwell as well. Lads, you were both there last night. What an absolutely fantastic end to a pretty ordinary game from Manchester United. Enjoy yourself, Laurie. I had a great time. Uh, had a nice beer with Andy afterwards to decompress, um, which is always a pleasure. He obviously speaking Spanish to the local waitresses and, and ordering, making sure everything's right and uh, sorting the bill out afterwards. It was well, obviously people come they come for the football and stay for the drinks chat, and we were it was beers, you see. So uh, nice little. What, what beers were they then? Go on, you, you, you answer this one, Andy. I don't know. Well, you made one mistake already because you said that I bought the bought the drinks. You actually paid for all of them, so thanks for that. I was um, just trying to give you some some praise, pal. I mean, things happen late in Madrid anyway. I think it's a nocturnal city. In the summer in Madrid, people go out at like half eleven at night. The metro runs till half past one. Uh, even in the weeknight, so United fans got that back from the stadium last night. Uh, the world's a happy place today. I've got a bit of a headache to show for it, but looking forward to talking about it on this podcast. Absolutely. Rhythm of the Dancer, Anthony Alanga is still echoing around the Wanda Stadium, isn't it, after last night? We'll reflect on that result for Manchester United, which was definitely a better result than it was performance. We'll get into that aspect of it as well. We'll talk about the fan survey that's been on The Athletic over the last week or so and also preview Watford as well. And it, it wasn't very good, was it really, to be honest, until the last 10 minutes? No, it was very bad, not very good. United mm. United were terrible in the first half, really bad. I think Ralph Rangnick got the tactics completely wrong, the selection was wrong and Atletico was straight on to Manchester United. Atletico were, were missing probably six of their regular starters. In, it, that's crazy, that. crazy. That's been lost a little bit. It's hasn't lost it? because yeah. people who don't watch him every week do not know that Yannick Carrasco and Lamar are the best two players, and they are, and they they weren't playing. And everyone knows Antoine Griezmann because he's got a much higher profile, and they battered United. It was really uncomfortable viewing for most of the match. They should have won the game. They're fuming that they didn't win the game. They hit the woodwork. Brilliant goal from Jao Felix. Don't think it covered Harry Maguire in glory. Poor, poor, poor. And yet, the mood certainly 
on this pod and among the United fans who are watching it, everyone's on a bit of a high because of the, the equaliser, because one all away to Madrid is a decent result. Not quite as decent as it would have been a year ago with the away goals rule, but it, it's, no. it's, it's a good result. But I hope Manchester United learned from that last night because I just worried it will get a severe in the second leg where they come to Old Trafford. And United fans have got to play the part in this. Really got to be up for it. Atletico fans were fantastic for most of the game last night in a big stadium. And when Sevilla came to Old Trafford in um, 2018 after a goalless draw in Spain, Old Trafford was really poor. They're like, oh, we're expected to win this. And we're being played off the park by this Spanish team. We're better than this. United fans collectively were shocked. There can be none of that next week in three weeks' time. Got to really get behind the team because Atletico have got world-class players. They're not having a good season and neither are United. But I had to do match ratings and we're talking fives and sixes and fours. It was really, really bad. Apart from uh, Ilangru got uh, 11. <laughs> Lieutenant Mitten there, putting out the rallying call for the second leg in three weeks' time. Looking forward to it already. What was the biggest issue, Laurie, for you? for Manchester United. Rio Ferdinand and Paul Scholes on BT Sport last night, I was watching it at home, unfortunately, not at the game like you two. They were sort of struggling to point the exact issue out for United, but they did say that the team didn't start the game. They didn't look ready to start the game, which the way the first sort of 10 minutes went, difficult to disagree with that, really. Yeah, they're on the back foot from the word go. And I I think the main thing was they never got to grips with Atletico's press. So it was sort of like the ball would go back to defence and Atletico would just sort of gradually, incrementally move forward. It wasn't like a kind of herring around Liverpool-style high press, but it was very coordinated and, and, and they knew exactly what they were doing. And basically it got United into positions where they were very uncomfortable with the ball at the back. And then you're left with Luke Shaw trying to sort of do a long 20, 25-yard pass into midfield and it, it failing and then pouncing on top of them. You've got Paul Pogba trying to receive the ball with his back to goal and Kondogbia all over him and winning it and, and then you know being on the back foot in a counter-attack. So it was it was various moments where United had the ball in possession because they had more possession than Atletico, but that was because Atletico let them and then they waited for the moments to, to pounce and it was never possession was never done with any kind of direction. It was, let's see what we can kind of do in this moment. Let's see what we can do in this moment. And, it, you, know, it, I, you know, they didn't have a touch in the opposition box in the first half. And you're thinking... You know, for all that possession, what is the point of it? Um, and listen, we saw how United should have been in possession when Anthony Alanga scored. Because actually, on reflection, it was quite a well-constructed goal, wasn't it? Where you've got Maguire heading clear a, a long throw. Um, Fred, Jane Sancho involved in kind of one-touch passing. Ronaldo feeding it back. And then Fred opens it up with that one-two to Bruno. And then it's it's actually it's it's a decent pass from Bruno. But he does give the defender a chance, doesn't he, to intercept it. And, and it's actually Alanga's really deft shuffle of feet, you know, over the ball. And then first time finish. It was a really, really good finish, you know, to, to put Oblak off balance. But... And so you're sort of looking at that thinking, couldn't they have done that beforehand? Couldn't that movement, Alanga's movement was such with such purpose and, and sort of intent and, and speed, you know, um, and it just felt like a lot of United's play was ponderous and kind of uncertain. And, and that's what Ralph Ranić, you know, fairly criticised them for afterwards. I mean, he, he you know, wasn't mincing any words. He, you know, the, the first half was um, extremely disappointing from, from his perspective. And, and as Andy said, I think you can then ask questions of the selection, the Lindelof thing at right back, you know, it, it felt a bit Lou Van Haar when he was replacing the, the full-backs, you know, um, as his first substitutions and, and Matic on for Pogba as well, which is actually a pretty brave call. But 
in hindsight, all three worked. Just quickly, did, did Lindelof, that decision, did that get explained uh, post-match by Ralph Rangnick at all, Andy? He, he said that he, he got it wrong. Uh, when the team came out before the match, I was... Did he explain why he did it in the first place? I, I, I wasn't in the press conference after because I was working doing other stuff, but before the game, I was, I was pitch side and I watched him do all of his different interviews and... I had people saying to me, which formation are United going to be? So I was asking people from the club, what's going on here? And someone went into the dressing room and came out and and said, Ralph is deliberately not giving his formation away. All he said was that he understands that Atletico are going to start with a, with a back five. So no one knew where Lindelof was going to play. And he can play right back, but he's not a right back. But Atletico was straight on to him. They exploited him right from the start. Manchester United cannot be that bad again. Really, the players collectively, you know, Ronaldo had no service. Kondogba, as you said, um, looked much better than Paul Pogba. Marcus Rashford had minimal impact on the game. You could say that for several players. Sancho's has been good in recent weeks, did, did very little. Bruno Fernandes... Was it is Bruno worst in terms of moaning? Ronaldo was asking for cards, and I'm thinking this isn't Manchester United. Even Rafael Varane had a poor first half. He looked rattled, didn't he? He did because he was. I mean, he got beaten and he gave the ball away. I think all of them were marginally better in the second half, and the substitution definitely worked. And Nemanja Matic won't be getting any headlines because he's not got a '90s song about him. But we will get one. Nemanja will. We'll dip into the Serbian musical archives and pull one out from somewhere. But I thought he did a very good job balancing things up. And um, the way that Manchester United had come from behind to get that equaliser, uh, that just ignited the away end. The goal was scored in front of the away end. It was a big away following. This hasn't been the norm with COVID at all. You know, it was only this season that fans came back. There was only 600 in Bern, and it's been growing and growing. Everyone had a great time in Madrid. And that just erupted, and I'm still buzzing off that. That's all we were talking about last night, wasn't it? We weren't talking about anything else but people singing the song, and we were watching Manchester United fans going onto the subway singing it, and it's great. That That's an element of the European away trips at the best. Absolutely, on the fans. And I need to give a shout-out to a lovely guy that I met on uh, Tuesday night, got to get my days right here <laughs> it's been a long week um nilo who uh saw i was waiting in the square with a few of my colleagues from other other uh, reputable newspapers and uh, uh he came up to me and said laurie laurie whitwell i was like this is absolutely mad um and he, he listened to the podcast he's a belgian uh, from brussels who lives in barcelona so he was at the game as a united fan and i followed him on instagram and he, he's he's um posting various things from the stadium last night so he looked like he enjoyed himself but he said to me I always ask you a question and you never respond to it so here we go Nilo this is your shout out so thanks for listening it was really pleasant to see him and and I think just a a quick one on the Lindelof thing I think basically Ranić I believe realised that you know away goals don't count you know so a nil-nil would have been okay so Lindelof offers a bit of defensive security he played well at Leeds He's played right back before. Okay, it didn't work, but I suppose that was the kind of logic where it, they didn't necessarily need to score. So let's keep it tight from the beginning. And obviously, as he said, <laughs> the plans were in the dustbin after seven minutes when Yao Felix gets in front of Harry Maguire and, and, and scores. Okay, we've mentioned it a little bit, but let's do it properly. It's the 80th minute of Manchester United away at Atletico Madrid. 
in the last 16 of the Champions League. It's the first leg. United have been rubbish for 80 minutes and he's been released. He's off the bench. He's a young lad. He's making his way. Anthony Alanga clean through face-to-face with one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Jan Oblak. And he went and did this. Fred with a nice ball into Bruno Fernandes. Ilanga was on the run. Ilanga might be in. Chance for Manchester United. Oh, he scored! What a moment for Anthony Ilanga! Off the bench, he's the Champions League hero tonight for Manchester United. And the teenager comes up big time in the Champions League. Atletico Madrid won. Manchester United won. What a finish! Laurie, what a moment! I mean, we, we've had some we've had some highlights this season, no doubt whatsoever, and Alanga has played his part in those certainly. But what a moment for a young lad to take in that sort of environment! Fantastic, um, and it was really pleasing actually to see it full time. Um, we're speaking at Lindelof, you know, Swedes together. Him and Alanga had a really long, sort of meaningful hug, like it was just a proper. Lindelof clearly feeling this is a, a real moment for you to enjoy and I'm going to kind of share it with you um, and kind of make sure you appreciate it and, and listen people might say why are United celebrating a 1-1 draw away to Atletico Madrid no that's a great result Laurie the, the, anyone questioning why they're celebrating a, a result like that don't understand knockout football in the Champions League considering the circumstances that was a brilliant result for United even regardless if you, even if you think well okay Atletico can go and win 2 in a little Trafford game over I still think the moment for Anthony Langer is you know to be celebrated you know as a 19 year old kid from United Academy okay he's not a mank but he, you know he basically is really isn't he um, he's been here for so long and he's got a chant that is Organic. It was great, wasn't it? Looking over to the left, Andy, and seeing those fans up in the in the scan, and it, it's it's loud. I still laugh at the moment where they try and sing the high note. Looking at it, it was down at our end where he scored. So you kind of see in the moment, and you're going, "This is this is a huge moment for him personally, for the club in terms of the Champions League." He was so cool. Like took it quicker than you thought he was gonna. You thought, okay, he's gonna take a touch. He's gonna like stare him down. No, it was. That, that's how you finish. It was really smart. And he said afterwards in the BT Sport interview, didn't he? You know, I told you I was cool and calm. Um, but listen, it's one thing saying you are, and it's another thing actually doing it in front of sixty odd thousand screaming Madrid fans who have been booing Ronaldo's every touch, who have been booing Rafael Ram when his name's read out, who have been doing. I don't know. Did you hear it like this, Andy? I thought they were doing ironic cues. Every time he like you know he, he hit a free kick over, he he, he you know threw a strop <laughs> at not getting an opposition player booked. I thought they were doing ironic CUs. I don't know. Am I wrong? I didn't hear the the, the CUs, but I heard him getting booed all the time with good reason because he was such a talismanic figure for for their main rivals who beat them twice in Champions League finals twice in in, in three years. What I did hear, which I don't think people will have picked up on. It was a song in Spanish having a go at Bruno Fernandes because of his nationality. And Spaniards and, and, and Portuguese have got a rivalry because they're neighbours. So they were basically just singing, look at that whinging Portuguese. And you hear that quite a lot about Portuguese uh, players. It was a great finish and it was a great result. The fact that the goal was in the 80th minute, that it was in front of a huge away end was great. That song keeps burrowing into my head and it sort of leaves my head for like three or four days at a time. But because Anthony's doing well, it keeps coming back in. So I woke up this morning with a headache with rhythm as a dancer going around my head, sort of hating myself for it, (laughs) thinking you're a grown adult and father of two. Why are you getting giddy over something like this? 
But one thing I really like is the reaction to it because it's totally original. No other football fans are singing this. I saw the Stockport County fans in last night saying, we should be doing stuff like this. You know, I know it's United, but we should be doing stuff. And it, it's only a matter of time before other fans start singing it and ripping it off. And it becomes another Will Griggs on fire or that stupid one that everyone's singing. So-and-so gets battered wherever everywhere they go. But looking at Atletico fans close to me, you can see them going like, <laughs> why are they singing this? And even commentators... <laughs> asking for clarification and I, I just love it because they've, wow. they've got no idea about the story of, of the song and I spoke to uh, a German journalist from Die Welt probably pronounced that wrong but it's a proper serious German newspaper the day before in, in Villarreal and he knows Ralph, Ralph Rangnick and I said do you reckon Ralph has got any idea that um, Rhythm is a Dancer comes from his country and he went, what? And he just lowered his glasses. He went, what? And I had to explain this to like a serious news journalist. And he said, well, I don't think German people know that, that Snap are from, they're from Germany. <laughs> yeah, they're from Frankfurt, mate. <laughs> With the United fans, they sang it over and over again, which was brilliant. Got one little concern. Um, oh, here we go. There were two versions going at the same time. So, hey. yeah, but, well, to coordinate a full end, three and a, three and a half thousand people is a lot of people. So it was peaking at different times, and, and this this concerned me greatly. So suddenly I'm not even watching what's going on the pitch because you're hearing whoa, and then whoa, 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 slow down, join together. I'm really pleased that they did all join together, and it started to flow beautifully. Now Manchester United uh, fans sometimes sing songs too fast. I'm just, just slow down. They're not singing a langer too fast. They've got it right, and and it's it's been a success story. This this is uh, this is living the moment. And for a young lad, and everyone who speaks about him speaks so well of his professionalism, and he'll have some ego because he's a top level footballer. But I find it quite funny that there's, there's major players who don't have their own song, and I, I just, and he does, and he does, and yeah. football's just like that. Well, Andy, you danced up and down on a Zoom call one day in a yellow jumper <laughs> and helped make that happen. You played your part as much as anyone in that. I actually met Anthony Alanger on Monday. I was at the training ground to do an interview uh, and he was in the reception area and I got introduced to him as one of the people from the podcast that helped get his song going. And I can tell you, he's absolutely over the moon with the song. Uh, obviously, that was Monday, which was the day after the match at Leeds. He was buzzing about pointing to the pitch and saying, this is our pitch at Ellen Road. He was buzzing about shushing the Leeds fans. A very polite, very down-to-earth lad, riding the crest of a wave. I don't think there's anything better as a football fan, no matter who you support, to see young lads making their way in the teams that they've come through in the academy. And obviously, Anthony Alanga has done just that. And speaking to people around the club as well, we've touched upon it, but you know you have to remember, it's a lad who arrived in Manchester at 13 years old, couldn't speak any English whatsoever when he arrived from Sweden. Uh, he's never really been a sort of star of his teams in the academy, shall we say. He's always been one of the better players in the team, but someone who's sort of been fighting for that acknowledgement, fighting for that recognition. Uh, and he's just sort of reached his peak of development as a youth player at the perfect time to make his mark in the first team. And he seemed to be absolutely loving it. And there's no doubt that we're absolutely loving it, Andy, as well. He's a decent lad. You've interviewed him. I've interviewed him. And he's got a, he's got a good backstory and... Credit to Ralph Rangnick for seeing how good he is 
in the first training sessions. But not only doing that, because Oli also spoke well of him. And there were some Oli songs in, in Madrid as well, which he was buzzing off. And that's a nice uh, thing that United fans are still singing for, for former legends. And, and with uh, Anthony, everyone just speaks so well of him, like you do. Let's listen to the United manager, Ralph Rangnick, then speaking about Alanga after the game last night. And there was one remark in particular that really did make its mark from Rangnick. Imagine Alanga, he's playing as if uh, for him a dream comes true. This is just, it's just joy and fun to watch him play. Uh, and uh, I wish uh, a few other players would take him as an example or like a almost role model, I would say. Not because he's doing everything right, but he's just enjoying himself on the pitch. And that's what it's all about. We know that it, football is an important sport, ball game, every, and even more so for our supporters or for the media. But it's still a ball game and you have to enjoy yourself on the pitch. And, and this is what I would wish us to do in the future, also when we play them again in a couple of weeks. Laurie, more players need to be like Anthony. Yeah, I think I mean Ralph Rangnick is is candid. That's that's his default setting, you know, being kind of quite frank and saying things how he sees them. But I think even for him, this was pretty pointed as a as a message, perhaps, or you know, or just re- re- revealing his thoughts on you know the, the squad. And I suppose he's talking about joy and um, playing with a smile and kind of going at it with a positive attitude. So as we were talking about, you know, those moments where. There was kind of arms flapped and kind of you know kind of disgruntled faces. I know that it's not always going to be sunshine and lollipops as a footballer, where you're on the pitch and you know everything's going to plan. And if it doesn't, no worries, pal. I'll, I'll slap me on the back. But I think he was basically getting at the point of this is a kid who, as we've said, listen, he's, he's unburdened by what's come before. He's just living the life right now. He's loving it. So there is that. But he's, he's coming on the pitch and 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 trying to do things and, and trying to run in. You know, an aggressive way, make himself open. If it doesn't work, no worries. I'll circle back and, and go again. So that's I think that's what he's getting at there, Ralph Rennie. And it was yeah, pretty pointed. And I wonder if, as the weeks go on, as we get towards you know the end of the season, where you know his interim manager tenure um, ends, whether he's going to be more open with stuff like this? Because I think he is thinking, well, you know, I've got this consultancy. What shape is that going to form for, for two years afterwards? That's still kind of up in the air, really, in terms of what that will actually be. Why not voice what I'm seeing behind the scenes and, and kind of my opinions on um, what the team should look like and, and what players should be doing? So it was it was interesting. Very pointed, Andy, wasn't it? Yeah, but I, I don't not believe him. I think it was also very accurate and I respect his opinion. He's been in football for a long time. It's quite interesting what the German journalist was telling me about Ralf Rangnick. He was often seen as a real nerd in Germany for a long time and he people tended to look down on him that he wasn't as charismatic as um, Jurgen Klopp, uh, for example. But as a journalist, I find him very refreshing in the way he speaks to the media you get very clear answers and I think there will be times when some of his players might be watching that being a little bit stung by that well good good because if they're not performing and doing as well as they shouldn't be then they should be called out uh, he's quite analytical he's a bit nerdy the way that, that he talks but he speaks really well and there's so many shifting plates of power at Manchester United at the moment, and we talked about the changes in in a recent uh, podcast. I think he's someone whose opinion 
should be valued and should be taken on board if he's not to become the permanent manager and that's certainly the indications that the club are giving but imagine if he wins the the European Cup <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen by the way <laughs> but you never know you never know you never know there's a couple of things that we need to tidy up before we move on I mentioned before about Manchester United's record in the knockout stages of the Champions League well they're going to have to do something that they've only done once since the last time they were in the final in 2011 to progress through to the quarterfinals in the second leg at Old Trafford on Tuesday the 15th of March because they've only actually won one home game in the knockout stages of the Champions League since 2011. That was against Olympiacos way back in 2014, of course, overturning a really disappointing result from Greece in the first leg of that tie. But since then, United have had... Well, in that time, United have had 13 knockout games in the Champions League and they've only won two of them and only one of them at Old Trafford. So the record has been really poor over the last decade or so. And you know, you said 2011 then. Do you know that game was against in 2011? It was against Ralph Rangnick's um, Schalke side. So that's uh, well, that a long time ago from the days when... Manchester United reached three European Cup finals in four years. And I don't think that gets the credit it deserved either. No, no, we could do a whole podcast on that, certainly. But since then, the record in knockout games, not good. And that needs to improve in this second leg. Finally, Laurie, have you finished arguing with people on Twitter about Cristiano Ronaldo applauding the away end yet? <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, no, I got, got a bit of traction that, didn't it? So I, I tweeted, and then this has become a thing, hasn't it? You know, what does Ronaldo do at full time? I'm not like one where I'm kind of voyeuristically observing him from, you know, as soon as the oh, final whistle goes, not. zooming in. Um, but I was just looking at, you know, the way that players reacted. And clearly he'd had a very frustrating night for himself where he's in this stadium where he's had, you know, what, in a city where he's had so much success against a team that he's had so much success against. And nothing went right for him, did it really? I mean, there was a few touches maybe. Obviously he played a part in the goal. But in the main, you could see he was getting frustrated. And, and he got fouled a couple of times, didn't he? And he was, he was appealing for yellow cards. So I think that's kind of in his mind. He's not he's not performed to, to his best abilities. He's not scored. Um, but yeah, from what I saw, he you know acknowledged the away fans and then walked down the tunnel, sharpish. Um, Mike Phelan caught him on the way off the pitch to kind of give him a handshake and a kind of pat on the back. A kind of maybe, listen, it's not it's, it's the result that matters, as you said there, Ian. Like you know, United are still in this. You know, they're still in the competition. It's clearly something that he wants to win. Um, and then after all the players have kind of shook each other's hands. Harry Maguire kind of ushers the players over to the away fans and, and every all, all United players that have played a part are all there kind of a, a clapping. So that's kind of the picture that I, I portrayed. Obviously, there's a picture of Ronaldo giving a, a clap to the away fans. I don't know exactly how long that went on for, but people are obviously coming back at me on Twitter and saying, you're a liar, You've, you're twisting the truth. And so, okay, clarification, he obviously did clap the away fans momentarily. I don't know. Momentarily. If you got this stopwatch out, I'd be intrigued but at the moment where the team was on mass he, he wasn't there you know he was down the tunnel so I think that point still is relevant and listen you can have you can debate whether that's important or not you know people might say who cares you know if he does the business on the pitch who cares if he stays out afterwards so that's fine I'm not sort of passing judgment on that but in that moment that's why I saw Andy you want to say something well, well I care I think that players should applaud away fans at every match and I wrote the story in Newcastle when Ronaldo was one of the players who, who walked off I think it's important do you know when it first became an issue it was against a team called Atletico Madrid in 1991 and the Manchester United team the entire team walked off the pitch without thanking the 2000 away fans 
And four days later, uh, or, or for the next home game, because there was no instant communication like now, the players collectively issued a, an apology, saying that they were um, upset because they conceded goals and, and, and lost the match. With Ronaldo, uh, after the game uh, in, in Madrid, I saw him go behind the away and stand on a box, confiscate uh, the microphone <laughs> off the leader of uh, Atletico Madrid's ultras, get the Alanga song going, clapping all the time in unison. And uh, I'm surprised you missed that, Laurie. <laughs> oh, it's, I've got an agenda, that's why. I wasn't uh, I, I wasn't watching it at, at the end for whatever reason, but the, I think that the point, it, it, I, and I feel pretty strongly about it, and it's not the most important thing in the world, the performances are, but players should thank away fans. And if you don't do that, it's not a good look. So how exactly are you going to describe this scenario, Laurie, in your piece that you're writing on Ronaldo that probably is on The Athletic and dropping right about the time people are listening to this podcast? We've got a piece, um, hopefully it's out by the time this podcast is aired, um, just on Ronaldo and his talks behind the scenes, I suppose, is a fair way to describe it, of wanting support up top so you know as a two which is something to be fair Ralph Ranić had originally in his 4-2-2-2 system you know there was a, a strike partner there for him to bounce off realising that Ronaldo up front on his own the pressing style wasn't going to work and even then you know does he need someone to bounce off because against Atletico it was there was moments where he, he felt he, he felt isolated and he was coming deep I mean there's one point um, in the first half I think where he came to right back slot just to touch the ball because he hadn't touched the ball for, for such a long time it's a weird one I don't I can't can't quite figure out whether it's Ronaldo not showing for the ball enough because sometimes he has dropped too deep and, and you know got involved in build up that then you're thinking well we need someone in the box to kind of finish this off um, or whether it's the players not producing good enough passes I mean listen Bruno Fernandes gave the ball away 23 times last night he was you know short long he was getting it wrong in all sorts of ways before finally providing a sixth assist in a row in the Champions League you know a record it's crazy that you can kind of feast or famine with Bruno um, but, so I can understand Ronaldo's frustrations there, but so he's he's talking behind the scenes about having two up top. Um, I think Ralph Rangnick's got reservations because that might then alter Jaden Sancho's role in the team because he's been on a good run of form on that right wing. On the left wing, he was sort of switching last night with, with Marcus Rashford. Um, and and so it's it's kind of it's an, an interesting dynamic really as to how much players are involved with you know the kind of systems that are put out on the pitch and, and clearly Ronaldo's you know a strong-minded individual he's got his own thoughts on how he would like United to be set up and, and he's scored so many goals in his career that he's saying this is how I think I can score more Ralph Rangnick obviously has got to balance the whole team um, that's his role as manager so it'll be an interesting one to sort of observe going forwards yeah you can read that piece on the Athletic right now also. Laurie's take on Manchester United's draw in Atletico last night and Anthony Alanga's dream come true. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, let's get some of your questions because there's been a fantastic response once again from you guys listening. Let's go to the first question there. This is Guillermo who says, has Rashford's form... Actually, I don't think I've pronounced that correctly, Andy. How do you pronounce that name? Guillaume. Okay, Guillaume, I'm sorry. Um, here's your question. Has Rashford's form proven why Alanga should deserve to start over him right now, Andy? I mean, Watford, Alanga could start, couldn't he? Yeah, he could. He's a form player. Marcus is not playing well. He had another poor game in Madrid. I think that part of Ralph wants to play um, Alanga because he listens to instruction. That was said to me after the Villa game when, when he did well. And not every player listens to his instructions and acts upon them as specifically as Anthony. And another part wants to spare him a little bit because he's still in the infancy of his first team career and he doesn't want to be playing him all the time. Play him against Watford. Watford beat United 4-1. Need to absolutely smash Watford. Never, never, puss, never mind pussyfooting around this. Put a langer on. United have got the best win percentage against Watford as any team in the Premier League. So that Watford, United have an 80% win ratio against them. They've only got a better one against Brentford, but they've only played them once and beat them. <laughs> Record at Old Trafford is played seven, won seven, drawn none, lost none, scored 17, conceded two. The only goal that Watford scored at Old Trafford this millennium was a 90th minute consolation a few years ago. So they should be winning this game. Right, next question. Uh, Sam is asking... Laurie, tell us as the play Shaw now, hasn't he? He whips in useful crosses and gets forward well. What do you reckon? It's an interesting dynamic that he, he did at the start, didn't he? With full backs and you know, it's the kind of narrow system and, and he needed to get forward and Luke Shaw perhaps was in a, a moment of, of poor form. I, I do think it, it, it I think it'd be horses for courses really, because you've got Shaw who can carry the ball from left back, you know, better than a lot of players um in any position. Um, and, and sometimes his link up is really nice on that left hand side I think Sancho is starting to develop a bit of a relationship with him but Alex Telles when he came on last night he actually really gave United a lift didn't he because he, he, he was putting in balls from difficult situations on the left flank that actually you know Ronaldo you're thinking could, could, could you got in different positions there was a couple where he sort of went into de- decent areas so I think it will be a very much a case of he can sort of rotate those guys on a fairly even basis if he wants to. Um, probably, I would say Shaw is still the number one with Tellis as, as a very, very able backup. But you know, more than happy if, if Tellis starts against Watford. Yeah, Tellis another player who's pushing for a start in that game certainly. Uh, and the bench will be of interest again, Andy, because for the second game in a row, 
Ralph Rangnick made some unusual subs that had you scratching your head, but then nodding your head at the final whistle because they worked. Um, Johnny asking, would any other manager make proper, impactful, game-changing subs and not get the credit for it? I think he does get the credit for it. We've given him credit We're giving him in, it. in this podcast, and we we praise and criticise as we see it, and that's our, that's our job as journalists to do that, using the sources we've got as well. But I don't think there's any big agenda against Ralph Rangnick. He gets praised when he does things well. I've spoken well of him in this podcast about how he deals with the media, for example, and he's been... Uh, praised for the substitutions he made, the timing of the substitutions, a, a criticism of his predecessor was he waited far too long to make some substitutions. And that was with good reason as well. And the worst example of that was in the Europa League final, when I don't think there was a change for 100 minutes. Uh, Ralph Rangnick made that change, uh, 66 minutes, triple substitution, uh, pretty brave to change both full-backs, but he did it and he made the right decision and that's what he's paid to do. So... Big, big bank of credit for you, Ralph Rangnick. <laughs> Johnny, I hope you're happy now. Um, just one last one on Watford, Laurie. How important is this game now for Manchester United? Considering the fixtures that are ahead in March, this looks the last, give me, I'm tempting fate here, aren't we? But this looks the last favourable fixture, shall we say, uh, coming up. And United need to win this, don't they, to keep hold of that fourth place heading into these games? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Watford lost 4-1 at home to Crystal Palace on the night that United were in Madrid, so clearly they are brittle. They can be got at. Do you know, Laurie, though, they're not as they're nowhere near as brittle as they were. I mean, they kept three clean sheets out of four heading into the game at Palace last night. And XG fans will be loving this or hating this, depending on the viewpoint, but... They scored four goals, Crystal Palace, from an XG of 0.74. So I, I, Watford are still not giving away much, to be honest. Fine, well, there you go. OK, I've not seen the, the highlights, but I will take that. Uh, that's a good start. You're producing the goods here today, Ian. Um, and, and they are dangerous. You know, you look at, you know, we all talk about Dennis and he, he's been had a great season, really, hasn't he? You can see that he, he could cause problems, but, I do, you know, United have to win. I mean, Tottenham losing at Burnley. Antonio Conte looks fraught, you know, um, four defeats in five for them. Arsenal are probably the team in form as, as that kind of challenger for a top four spot, but United have to win this game. And as you say, the fixtures get a lot crueler uh, as time goes on. So it, you know, three points on Saturday is an absolute must. Andy, quick one on Watford. Have to win it, but United have been pretty poor against the teams down at the bottom, most recently in that draw at Burnley. Watford's dressing room was very divided at, at the point where they brought um, the new manager in. Roy Hodgson under Claudio Ranieri. I got some uh, insight into what was going on there and Ranieri was seen as a bit of a dinosaur. And this is a horrible cliche, but I really think it was true at Watford. He'd lost the dressing room. There was that awful stat where if you looked at the games Watford had played, there was a red for lost. And it was like L, 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 L. Manchester United green 4-1, L, 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 L. How did that happen? I'm still sore about that that game at Vicarage Road. Yeah, Andy wants his revenge this weekend. Uh, just enough time to point you in the direction of the fan survey on The Athletic at the minute. A very interesting take um, from you guys, your verdict really, on everything Manchester United, the big issues at the club at the minute. Carl Anker's written that up. Take a look. The headline reads, Manchester United survey, 55% don't want Ronaldo next season, 40% say Fernandez should be captain and 58% call for Ten Hag to be the next permanent manager of Manchester United. If that doesn't tease you to go and read it, I don't know what will. And if it doesn't tease you 
to get a subscription if you've not got one. I don't know what will either. And remember, there is an offer on at the minute. It's just £1 a month for the first six months for a new subscription. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod for all the details on that. But for the minute, Laurie and Andy, safe journey home to both of you. Manchester United have a decent result, don't they, to take back to Manchester for the second leg. And we're all off to go and watch the final whistle being blown in the wonder and see exactly what Cristiano Ronaldo did. See you next time. Bye-bye. Clap your hands, everybody, if you got what it takes. Because I'm KRS and I'm on the mic and premieres on the breaks. The Athletic.